The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good day, good evening, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today we're going to get into a bunch of different things, but let's start by going back in time just a little bit. Back to the days of the Obama administration. Now, of course, all the Obama fans will tell you he never had a scandal in his entire career. But, of course, those of us who actually look at history and can read beyond the basic kindergarten level know that's not true. In fact, now, just coming to light now, is more information on one of his most nefarious scandals, the Fast and Furious. That's where he was giving guns to people who were trafficking them to drug cartel members. Now, I don't know how, you know, in no world is this legal or appropriate or even moral in any way. Why would you give guns to people who traffic drugs into our country? And the thought was that he was trying to follow the guns to see how they would get down there, which way they would go, but they never put tracking devices in them. They were just going to see if they would turn up somewhere. And they did turn up at the death of two different border agents as a result of him trafficking guns into the hands of cartel members. So he is, you know, maybe not directly responsible, but indirectly responsible for the death of two border agents by trafficking weapons into cartel members' hands. But, you know, there had to be some assistance somewhere. And now, finally, the four, there are, what does it say? seven suspects in Mexico, Mexican officials who are being charged in the Fast and Furious gunwalking scheme. So now we're finding his south-of-the-border accomplices. Now, I really hope this comes to light, gets out there, and they start spilling the beans about everybody who was involved in this ridiculous scandal. I mean, this is, why would you give, I mean, well, Joe Biden just gave billions and billions of dollars in weapons to our enemies in Afghanistan, but, you know, that's a whole different story, because it costs too much to bring them back. It's like, what about the cost in blood, Joe? You don't care about that. Here, again, the cost in blood was just too high. They apparently have got three of these seven suspects, have all been named already, and are in custody in the United States or in Mexico. And they're going to get more information from these guys. And this information is going to be coming out as the investigation proceeds. Apparently, the Attorney General is digging deep into the decision to put Operation Fast and Fierce in the, into place or how the ID ever won approval. I, you know, that just shocks me to no end. The fact that they even let this happen. Why would you plan on letting cartel members get illegally obtained firearms in hope they could in hopes they could track them south of the border? No tracking devices were placed in the weapons. They just thought, oh well, when they turn up, we'll be able to track them. And unfortunately, like I say, it led to the death of uh, border patrol agents and dozens of other crimes. Oh, and it's just sad that they think, oh, Obama never did anything wrong. Well, this was part of his doing. And I'm sure, well, I would think Joe Biden had something to do with this, too. He was second in command at the time. He had to take some responsibility for this. But we'll have to see how this comes out. Hopefully, they'll start pointing fingers. The finger pointing will go on upstream, 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 and get to the top. And before we know it, we'll get to a document 
or somebody high up in the Obama administration was aware of it, signed off on it, and let it go through. And that's what caused the death of a Border Patrol agent and wounding of various other people and countless other crimes that were committed by these firearms that they allowed to walk through. Now I'm going to do a little bit of an editorial twist here. You know, people wonder, why would he do this? Well, he wants to track weapons to the cartels. He wants to see how they're getting stuff across the border. I think he did this to try and give cartel members weapons that came from the United States so he could help push for more gun control in the United States. What better way to do it than say, well, we need stricter gun control because cartel members are getting guns from America. That needs to stop. We need to fix that. Fortunately, though, before that accusation came out, the realization was made that these were handed to cartel members by U.S. government officials or people working for the U.S. government. They made this happen. So this was not some random cartel members walking across the border being able to buy a gun legally through some gun shop or somewhere. These were all ill-gotten guns. They were got illegally through government workers. (laughs) Great. So our government was being paid to provide cartel members with guns. Yeah, let's hope this comes to light. Everybody starts pointing fingers and it keeps going on up the stream. I'd love to see this come out and tarnish an otherwise flawless reputation that Obama had. I can't even say that with a straight face. Yes, but we'll see how that comes out. But Fast and Furious, what a ridiculous fiasco to come out of the United States. Running guns to drug cartel members just so we could see where they went. Oh, it's ridiculous. Okay, now we're going to get into some of the, the sexist part of the show. Well, maybe not sexist. Well, it has to do with the, the sexes. If you believe there's more than two, then I can't help you. But right now... There's studies being done, and apparently female gun ownership is on the rise. And why shouldn't it be? Now, don't don't bash me for this, but females are generally considered the weaker sex. Why shouldn't they have a gun? Well, they say Colonel Colt made all men equal. Well, maybe Colonel Colt made all people equal, men and women. Let's not distinguish between the sexes here. A woman with a gun is just as dangerous as a man with a gun. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I could go off on that, but no, no. That's where we're going to stop that. But, yeah, of course. And, of course, the, the, this author here, uh, what is this, um, from Bearing Arms, he says, The commie mommy groups must be cringing and shaking in the corners as they learn they don't have the market cornered and what women want for their world and their children. And I think this has a lot to do with the United States has a huge problem. It always has for for decades. The problem is everybody here feels relatively safe. For years, for decades, growing up in the United States was a relatively safe prospect. Most neighborhoods, everybody knew everybody. Yeah, there was crime. Some neighborhoods are worse than others. But compared to other countries in the world, the United States was probably one of the safest places to live. And I'm sure you're going to tell me about drive-bys and shootings and all this stuff. And yes, they exist. But most of those deaths are such small numbers compared to other places. People get complacent because they think the whole world is like that. They think it's safe and warm and fuzzy and everything is going to be just hunky-dory all the time and nothing bad is ever going to happen. I mean, I remember I grew up in a neighborhood similar to that. There was very little crime, very little things going wrong. You know, occasionally something would get stolen or something would get, you know, damaged or something like that or 
kids would pull pranks and do things like that. It happened, sure. But generally speaking, there was literally no crime to speak of. But now, of course, I think things are a little different now. I could be wrong, but I believe even in a lot of neighborhoods now that were generally considered safer and considered better protected, that even now there's more things going on that causes more distress for everybody, men, women, and any other gender you want to pick. But women in particular are rising in gun ownership. In fact, the recent study from Harvard University shows that 42% of gun owners in the United States are women. Now, that's not quite half yet, but it's getting there. It's on the rise. I would imagine that figure 10 or 15 years ago was substantially smaller. But now, with the you know, with single single moms taking on the world, and realizing crime statistics going up in almost every major city in the world, moms are realizing you know, in order for me to be equal, for in order for me to be able to protect me and mine, my family, my property, my life, I have to be able to fight. I have to be able to say no. I have to be able to stand up and put a criminal in his place if he comes to threaten me and mine. That has to be able to be done. And the moms are realizing this now. And the the women are realizing this now. Why should they put themselves at a disadvantage by deciding they don't want a gun? Oh, I don't want guns in my house. I go, so the criminal who brings one in and tries to rob, rape, murder, steal from you, that's okay. But you don't want to have any way to defend yourself against them. There's the old saying, you don't have to believe in God, that's your choice. You don't have to believe in guns, that's your choice also. But when someone's trying to break into your house at 3 a.m. in the morning, first thing you're going to do is call somebody with a gun and pray they get there in time. So there you go. You need to be your own first responder. I've only said this about a million times. You have to be the first line of defense in your family, in your household. And a lot of families now are single single female families or single male families. You know, a lot of uh, single parents are raising kids now. Now, here's the figure. Okay, 42% of gun owners are women. That's a 14% rise over the last five years. So five years ago, there was 14% less female gun owners. Now, that's huge. That's almost a 33% increase. So it might be a little more than that. I don't have my calculator handy. You can figure it out if you want to do it. But, you know, people realize, I think a lot of people realize that gun ownership is a huge responsibility. And women are probably, they're probably better equipped to handle being a new gun owner than most guys. Why? Because societal pressure tells guys they should already know this stuff. They should already know how to use a weapon. They've watched movies. They've played video games. They should already know how. Women realize their shortcomings, and they want to go get training. They want to figure out how to do it properly. And guys, you need to do the same thing. If you're not a gun owner and you want to be, take the time to learn how. We're going to talk more about this later. I'm going to give you some practice tips that we uh, did last week, but we're going to get into it a little deeper th- this time. But the late, there was one lady they interviewed, and she calls herself an accidental activist. <laughs> so, And she's a female firearms instructor and radio host. Hey, there we go. And she said, okay, here we go. Unfortunately, the world is not the warm and fuzzy place it used to be. So this is a a lady who's a firearms instructor and a mom of a 12-year-old. And she started shooting five years ago. And I've noticed, I've actually, uh, I actually know a few women 
who have started shooting more recently, and they become the most enthusiastic activists there are. When they seem to get into it, if they like it, they seem to... I'll be honest, they do it better than most men do. Most men have egos that get in the way of them learning what they need to learn. And I admit, I've been guilty of that. I already know. I've I've done this. I've been shooting for years, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? Sometimes you need to put that aside and say, show me. Show me what you know. Let me see if I can learn something. Be willing to learn a new skill. You know, and I, <laughs> I know it sounds sexist, but it's true. More guys I know are less or res- more resistant to learning a new technique or loose new style or something like that than most women are. Women are much more willing to learn, even though we think they know everything. Guys already do think they know everything, so it's crazy. But yeah. This is going to be a statistic. I think it's going to go up. I think it won't be long until you see a near 50-50 gun ownership in this country to where women are just as likely to have a gun as men are, especially with more and more single-parent uh, households coming on, on board here. It's going to be easier and easier for women to want to go out there and get a gun and protect themselves. So that's something we're going to have to consider. But, you know, and guys, if you know a woman who wants to get into it, by all means, help her if she's willing to accept the help. Guide her a little bit. Push her towards professional training. You can start off to make them comfortable enough with the weapon to where when you get training, it's going to be that much easier. All right, we're going to have to take a quick break. We'll be right back after these. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the TornadoBodyDryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at firearmliquidationservice at outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. We're back. I'm Roger B., and you're listening to Locked and Loaded. Now, right before we left for the break, we were talking about female gun ownership in the United States being up 14% in the last five years and almost 3.5 million women becoming gun owners between January 2019 and April 2021. So in a little over two years, 3.5 million more gun owners are women as opposed to men. And, you know, you wonder why do these women decide to do this? What triggers them, so to speak, triggers them into wanting to buy guns? Well, you know, they did an interview and they talked to some people and they asked questions. and And it comes down to the same basic needs as anybody. You know, they want to know, what is it? Well... One lady goes, you are a person who has a life and you deserve to live it safely. I love my children. I love my family. I want to protect them. Someone is going to, somebody is going to take a stand and I think it's going to be me. So show me. Give me the tools I need. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's a basic human right. You want to protect yourself, your way of life, your family, your property. And then she goes on to say, I'm not looking for trouble. I don't want to hurt somebody. But that's the very last thing. And if she's involved in Player Gun, it's going to change my life forever, change the world in addition to theirs. But she also wants to go home to her family. She wants to see her, her daughter, her son, her husband, whoever again. She wants to make sure that she survives the day. And a lot of this has come with the upheaval in the summer of 2020 and the 2020 elections, the lack of law enforcement resources, the fact that law enforcement was ignoring violent crime to such an extent. And then when the pandemic hit, all these people had no jobs, a lot of people, and they were doing nothing than engaging in criminal activity. Not everybody, but it gave criminals a lot more to work with because suddenly they were receiving money for sitting at home and doing nothing. They could buy guns and get into trouble or cause trouble or steal from people or, you know, harass or set things on fire or, you know, break into buildings or burn things up. Sure. So that made the civil unrest caused a lot of people to see what was going on in the world and realize, you know what? I want to be safe. I want to be protected. I don't want to have my life in somebody else's hands. I want to be able to protect myself and mine. This lady goes on to say, I say the, I would say that the Second Amendment now wears lipstick, she said. <laughs> so, you know, and it's funny because, like I said, men have generally been gun owners in a huge percentage above women. I mean, probably if you go back 10 or 15 years, I bet less than 20% of women were gun owners. And now they've more than doubled that. So actually, it's 14% in five years. Probably more than that in 10 years. <clears throat> but it's because I think more single parent households that has a lot to do with it also and unfortunately gun ownership in this country has been stereotypically given to you know the big burly guy with the plaid shirt you know and the knit hat you know generally southern in nature a lot of times you know, and it's just, it's sad because, you know, that's not who that is. But of course, anyone who's anti-gun is going to portray that as being the typical gun owner in America. They'll never show you a single mom holding a weapon going, you know, this is the face of the NRA. This is the face of gun ownership in America. 42% of guns owned in this country are owned by women. So, let's just, you know, and now I think, and I think the gun industry is finally adapting 
to to compensate for this. When a woman walks into a gun shop, she's not like, oh, well, did your husband send you to get something? Uh, no, I came for myself. Now people will just ask them. They won't make stupid assumptions like that anymore. So that's that's interesting to see. And you gun shops that are not doing that, if you don't treat women as primary customers, you're not going to be around very long because the fastest growing segment of gun owners is going to probably continue to be women. So if you don't adapt to that, if you don't make changes for that, if you don't try and help these women become independent, become their own first responders, then you're not going to be around long enough. They'll go elsewhere. People will vote with their wallets every single time. So be aware of that. Just be aware. Because the anti-gun people will tell you that women are are in danger, they need to be protected, and guns make it more dangerous on them. I say a woman trained with a firearm that's responsibly armed is going to be way better protected than someone who's trained to urinate on a rapist while he's attacking her. Yeah, I would think pointing a gun in his face and telling him to stop, do what you're doing, and go away would be much more effective than that. So there you go. Don't don't be a victim. Refuse to be a victim. Be somebody who can stand up for yourself, protect your life, protect your family, protect your children, protect your property. Be that person. All right, well, let's see. Like I say, and women, if you want to get into this, there are plenty of women-only groups. Now, granted, I know a lot of women who don't feel comfortable being around or taking initial training from men. And it's because a lot of the men make assumptions, they make misogynistic remarks, they make, you know, things like that, which just make it that much more difficult for a woman, <coughs> excuse me, to stand up for herself and say, I want to learn. Now, there are plenty of good instructors, men and women out there, who don't make the mistake of discriminating on somebody on the basis of sex. So that's something to consider as well. But by all means, get training. I don't care if you're a man, a woman, any anybody can use more training. I don't care how long you've been shooting. I've been shooting pistols since I was 16 years old, and I love getting more training all the time. If someone can teach me something new, I'm that much more interested in learning how to do it. <coughs> hmm. All right. Now we're going to go to Denver. Now, Colorado used to be a very hardcore Second Amendment rights state. But as California became more and more liberal and drove more and more, I guess, moderate liberals out of the state, they moved to Colorado. And what did these liberals do? They voted for the same liberal idiots that destroyed California. They move because they wanted to get away from the liberal idiots in California, but then they vote the same way. They're locusts. They go from place to place, destroying it and moving on. Well, now Colorado is, mm, I wouldn't even consider it a terribly gun-friendly state anymore. They have magazine limits, ban limits, you know, capacity limits. And just recently they passed a so-called ghost gun ban to stop anybody from making their own weapons, which is in no way a violation of federal law whatsoever. You have this right according to the Constitution. The federal law allows it. But Denver, the city of Denver, is going about trying to ban ghost guns. Now, it passed on a 10-to-1 vote. There was one legislator that voted against the legislation. But it's, um, it's funny because they included a lot of other things in here 
that a lot of the, uh, I guess, protesters or uh, activists would find distasteful or possibly dangerous. Like, like this is interesting. People who had umbrellas or had airsoft guns or other thing to protect themselves from the pepper spray that was being deployed by the police, now this bill made all of that a crime. You cannot carry an umbrella to a protest in Denver. And you, I know you're thinking to yourself, well, what if it's raining? Does it matter? The umbrella is considered a weapon, and it is banned at any kind of protest or activist meeting in Denver. So are airsoft weapons, which should be. Airsoft weapons, you don't want to bring that to a protest. That looks like a real gun. There's no way to determine that. <coughs> so it's not just the home-built firearms that have been banned. It's other weapons, other things that can be determined to be a weapon. So that's something to be to be considered. Now, no one's in favor of gun control. The, the ghost guns are such a small percentage of what's going on everywhere. It's ridiculous that they even consider this as being a problem. But, you know, what they, but they see this as, oh, criminals can get guns. They're not numbered. They're not serialized. They're not registered. Well, let me tell you something. The United States is not supposed to register gun owners. In fact, there's a law that clearly states they are not allowed to keep track of gun owners. Now, whether they do or not, we'll probably never know until it's way too late. But it's funny how these people who would use an umbrella as a weapon or an airsoft gun or some sort of pepper spray are now not allowed to bring that to a protest or an activist meeting or I guess you would consider, I don't know, I'd have to see exactly what they consider a meeting. I mean, if you just go to a parade in the street, are you not allowed to bring an umbrella with you, even if it's raining? Well, I guess you could call it a parasol. Oh, no, this is to protect me from the sun. It's a parasol. It's not an umbrella. (laughs) I can imagine being in a prison cell for carrying an umbrella around the streets of Denver. Well, so all you people who wanted the ghost gun ban, now you're not allowed to carry umbrellas anymore either. Or airsoft guns or parasols or anything like that. So be aware of that. You basically made yourself more defenseless by doing this. And the ghost guns are such a such a ridiculously small part of the issue. Ghost guns have been used in such a tiny, tiny percentage of crimes, it's it's a statistical zero. And yet they're going off on this one particular aspect. And I think it's just it's just a matter of giving that inch. They're going after that inch so they can take another one and another one and another one until they end up working their way down the line and making it a ban, a complete gun ban. There are people in this country who would ban guns tomorrow if they had the opportunity. But it's funny because they want you to have a permit. They want you to have a background check. They want you to do all these things to be able to exercise a right. This is a right that's clearly stated in the Constitution. But yet your freedom of speech, could you imagine if you had to get a permit for freedom of speech? How about a permit to vote? Yeah, let's do that. You know, if you need a permit to own a gun, which is a constitutionally guaranteed right, let's get a permit to vote. Let's get you some education. You know, let's make sure you know what you're doing. All right, we're going to have to come back in a couple of minutes, and we'll get into that. We're going to get into Delaware and them having to offer you a permission slip to get your Second Amendment rights on. That's right. I'm Roger B., and this is Locked and Loaded. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 
Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio. Or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall. And we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you've been listening to America's Web Radio. And right before we left for the break, I said I was going to get to Delaware. Now, Delaware, in case some of you don't know, is Joe Biden's home state. And Joe Biden was one of the original authors of the crime bill from 1994, a ridiculously ineffective an almost illegal bill that took away Second Amendment rights from so many people based on magazine capacity or if the gun has a racing stripe on it or whatever it was. They use these arbitrary uh, aesthetic determining factors to decide whether a gun was legal or not, which is completely... There's nothing in the Constitution that says keep and bear arms unless we don't like the way they look. You know, and there was nothing that made these guns any more effective, more dangerous than anything else. Like I've said before, putting a racing stripe on a Camry does not make it a race car. Just like putting a pistol grip on a rifle does not make it an assault rifle. Sorry, that just doesn't work. But anyway, so in Delaware, they're deciding, you know what? We're going to try and pass a bill that will establish a permit to purchase a handgun. You hear, you heard right. You, it's not just permission. You have to buy a permit. You have to buy a license, a piece of paper. You have to have this permit to be able to just possess a firearm. Now, this is similar to uh, a New York. You have to fill out an application to be able to purchase a handgun also there. But the permit to purchase is bad enough. The fact that they're, this is a right given to you by the Constitution, and they're putting restrictions on it. And it just shocks me that they would allow this. Could you imagine if they put this on other things? It just, ah, oh, it's ridiculous. Anyway, here are some of the things that have to be followed in order for you to get a permit to purchase a weapon in Delaware, now a handgun in Delaware. In Delaware. Within five years of your purchase, you must have a course, a firearms training course that encompasses all the following characteristics. <clears throat> One, Instruction regarding knowledge and safe handling of firearms. Everybody should have that anyway. You know, I'm kind of torn here because I know that there's so many people who say, it's a right, you should not have to have any training. It's a right, you should not have to do anything special to exercise a right. You have to have instruction regarding safe storage of firearms and child safety. (coughs) Sorry. Instruction regarding knowledge and safe handling of ammunition. <clears throat> now, here it is. Don't put the ammunition in the fire. Don't put it in the oven to dry it out. I mean, these are common things that you would think people would know, but yet here they're forcing you to learn these. These are required by law now. 
just to be able to purchase a handgun in Delaware. You have to have instruction regarding safe storage of ammunition and child safety. Oh, wait, that one came up twice. No, that's storage of firearms. Here's ammunition and child safety. Okay, yes. Ammunition and firearms should both be stored out of the reach of children. And, I, you know, and these are basic things which anybody should know. And as much as I hate the fact that they're doing this, none of this seem like none of these seem like unreasonable requests. Instruction regarding safe firearms shooting fundamentals. As I've said a hundred times before, if you're a first-time firearms owner, get training. No matter where you get it, from a friend, a relative, an official training course, your local range, get training. Don't just try and learn yourself. Get somebody to teach you, to show you. Know the four rules of firearm safety. Now, this is interesting. Live fire shooting exercises conducted on a range, including the expenditure of a minimum of 100 rounds of ammunition. Hmm. Okay. They're they're making this like a driver's license test. You have to know all the rules. You have to know what you... <laughs> you have to prove proficiency in this weapon before you're allowed to buy it. Interesting. Identification of ways to develop and maintain firearm shooting skills. Now, I would like to take that class. I want to learn how to maintain my firearm shooting skills. I think practice is probably the best way, but when you can't practice, is there anything else you can do? Sure there is. We're going to get into that in a few minutes. Instruction regarding federal and state laws pertaining to the lawful purchase, ownership, transportation, use, and possession of firearms. So now you have to be an attorney as well. You have to know what states you're allowed to carry and what states you're not allowed to carry and what the federal law says about carrying a weapon loaded. Does it have to be in your glove box? Does it have to be in your trunk? Can it be in your pocket? Where can it be? You have to know all that if you're going to own a firearm in Delaware or own a pistol in Delaware. Instruction regarding the laws of the state pertaining to the use of deadly force for self-defense. Again, not a bad idea to know the laws, especially because every bullet fired in self-defense has a lawyer attached to it. Never, ever forget that. So be very aware of this. You know, none of these are unreasonable requests. However, they requ- require a permit. No other right spelled out in the Constitution requires a permit to exercise that right. Instruction regarding techniques for avoiding a criminal attack and how to manage a violent confrontation, including conflict resolution. Oh, so talk your way out of it before shooting some criminal in the face. You know, that's probably always a good idea. You don't want to shoot somebody if you don't have to. But if someone's trying to commit a violent crime against you, how much time do you have to start a conversation on conflict resolution with them? <laughs> do you think they'd be receptive to your, to your instigation of this conversation? And finally, instruction regarding suicide prevention. Yeah, if you're suicidal, you probably should not own a gun. Now, like I said before, I encourage every new gun owner to get to take a firearm safety class. In fact, the more extensive it is, the better off you are. None of these things they're asking for are unreasonable. However, the fact that this is a right and you're forcing people to get training and instruction. Okay, I'm going to propose something. Before you're allowed to vote, you need to take a civics class every five years just to refresh yourself as to the way the laws work, the way voting works, what these representatives you're voting for, what their responsibilities are to you and to the state and know what they're supposed to be doing for you. I suggest they have to take a course every five years before you're allowed to vote. Now, could you imagine 
the uproar we would hear if you had to take a class before you were allowed to vote. And the funny thing is, voting is not a right spelled out in the Constitution. It is not. Nowhere in the Constitution does it say you have the right to vote. It says you may not be discriminated against from voting based on certain factors, but nowhere in the Constitution does it say the right to vote shall not be infringed. It does not say that because the Founding Fathers didn't believe the people had enough information or smarts enough to count their votes directly and make it a direct vote for person system. That's why we have the Electoral College. Also, to help balance out big cities versus smaller towns and give people representation, not just based on population. So it's interesting to see that they would try and make this the law. And I'm wondering, so they can make somebody unlawful. Now, I don't know if this is going to be, have to be grandfathered in, if you would have to take this course if you already have a weapon. I mean, it's weird because how much training could they change? Could they make this be, you know, 40 hours a year? Could they make this a huge training course? Could they make you have to be a Navy SEAL before you are allowed to own a handgun? How far are they willing to go with this? And also, 100 rounds. Most of you who have been shooting know 100 rounds is not that much. You could probably burn 100 rounds in, oh, 15, 20 minutes and not even be shooting that fast. (coughs) But, uh, you know, so here we go. Let's see if Delaware gets this passed. I don't know if they will or not. But now I want to see them, if, if they do pass this, okay, you have to have a permit, you have to have training, you have to know the laws. What are you going to get in exchange for this? What is going to be your compromise? You know, they say compromise, and they always want you to give something to compromise. Compromise on gun rights. You know, let's get common sense gun law. You need to learn to compromise. Okay, compromise means I give something, I get something. What are the people of Delaware going to get in exchange for them being able, for them having to take courses to be able just to own a firearm? Not to carry one. This is just to own one, just to have it in your home or be able to have it in your possession. I don't know. This is going to be weird. I wonder how this is going to go. Let's hope they shut this bill down before it gets passed. I mean, unless they offer some huge incentive. Yeah, you take this training, you get this permit, you automatically have a right to carry anywhere in the state. And we have reciprocity with as many states as possible. You know, that's that's what compromise is about. Give something, get something, balanced reciprocation of what you want versus what the other party wants, and both parties walk away happy. This is not a compromise. This is demanding a permission slip to exercise your Second Amendment rights. Oh, I just would love to see this tried on voting. Let's get people educated before they vote. Let's make them get a permission slip to vote. Oh, my God, racist, misogynistic, disenfranchised people would come out of the woodwork yelling all kinds of crazy things, talking about the right to vote, which, again, does not exist in the Constitution. So when you go out there and say, I have the right to vote, you do not have the right to vote. It is not guaranteed anywhere in the Constitution. It does, however, say, if there is an election, you may not be discriminated against in voting based on sex, on religion, on religious preferences, sexual preferences, whatever. You cannot be discriminated against on things like that. However, it does not say you have the right to vote. So no state would have to give you the right to vote. Now, of course, we have since instilled this into 
our education system making people think the right to vote is something they have, which they do not. But you do have a right to keep and bear arms. It's clearly stated. It is in the second paragraph of the or second Bill of Rights is the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It's also one of the shortest of the Bill of Rights because it was done so succinctly and so clearly that the founding fathers would say there's no way anybody could confuse confuse what this means. No way. But apparently people not only confuse what it means, they also violate it all the time. No, we're just going to do what we want to do. We're going to make you have to get a permit. We're going to make you have to get training before you can exercise your right. Now, I can understand a driving test. Driving is a privilege. What they're trying to do is make gun ownership a privilege. And if you're going to do that, give something in return. Compromise. Give Give a national carry permit. Whoever has one can carry a gun anywhere. You get the training. You get the gun. You get a permit. That permit is good all over the country. You can carry a gun anywhere. You are now legal for everything. But no, they would never do that because there are certain states who do not issue permits. They have a, a may issue, which means if they decide you you can get one, you can get one. Most of these are issued to politicians, to friends of politicians, to people who work for politicians. Most of these are offered through corrupt channels where you have to know somebody to get a permit. Like California or New York, if you don't know somebody, it's nearly impossible to get a permit. Or you have to prove that you need one. Why should anybody have to prove they need to exercise a right? Okay, you're going to go vote. You're going to have to prove that you need to vote. Yes, I need to vote. Why? Why do you need to vote? Could you imagine them doing this to voting? Or anything else for that matter. Oh, you can't say that. Why not? Freedom of speech. Oh, no, you don't have freedom of speech. You have to apply for a permit to have freedom of speech. There's no way you're allowed to have freedom of speech without a permit. You have to get training so you know what's appropriate and what's not appropriate for free speech. It's just, when you compare it to any other right, it seems so ridiculous, so absolutely ridiculous that this is something they're trying to push. But we'll have to see. I mean, this hasn't been passed yet, but... It's in Delaware. They're a huge anti-gun state. This is Biden's home state. I'm pretty sure that this is going to be something that's going to get passed, and they're going to have this you know, ridiculous permit system in place to exercise your right to own a weapon or to keep and bear arms. All right. Now we're going to go to some government misappropriation. Always a fun one to do. But... You may say, well, how does this relate to guns? There's lots of government misappropriation. Well, this one relates to guns in this way. We're going to get into this real quick. Let's see. The headline here is COVID relief funds paying for our North Carolina gun buyback program. That's right, because buying back guns stops people from getting COVID. (laughs) I don't know how that happens. Maybe if you're sharing a gun among a lot of people, passing it around. But apparently on November 20th, the police collected more than 350 guns and paid out $50,000 allotted for the day's buyback events with funds from the local coronavirus local fiscal relief fund. Now, none of the weapons collected had been reported as stolen. Now the city plans to host another gun buyback. On January 15th at the fairgrounds. Now, this is money that was supposed to be used for COVID relief. All right, I'll give you a little bit more about this once we get back from our break. We're going to take a quick break. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you've been listening to America's Web Radio.
Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio. Or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall. And we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Right before we left, we were talking about COVID relief funds being used for a gun buyback. Now, I don't know how that relieves COVID in any way, unless you want to shoot everybody who has COVID to cut down on the number of cases. Who knows? But the police on November 20th bought back 350 guns for a total of $50,000, which I did the math during the break, is $142 and change per gun. That's not bad. I mean, I think if I was in law enforcement, I'd set up my own buyback and just resell them to gun shops. Now, I don't know what they did with these guns because none of them were reported stolen. So they didn't have to return any of them to their uh, rightful owners. But now they're planning another gun buyback. Oh, here's the pricing. Here we go. The citywide gun buyback, part of comprehensive efforts to reduce gun violence and increase community safety. Now, this has been proven time and time again that this does not increase community safety. This makes it safer for criminals to go out and commit crimes. An armed society is a polite society. In fact, where permit use has gone up, most of the time, crime has gone down. And you may say, oh, but what about New York and Chicago? It goes, they rarely allow people to get permits there. So don't think of them in the mix because they don't allow that. And then there's Florida, Miami-Dade County. I saw an article on that today where their murder statistics are actually way down and their permit requests are way up. So, yeah, criminals are not going to go where they're likely to get shot at. They're criminals. They're cowards. They're not willing to work to earn a living. They want to go out and steal it from somebody else who does it. So anyway, if you happen to be headed down to the Winston-Salem Fairgrounds on January 15th, the citywide gun buyback is going on. The second round of the program will continue to be funded through the Coronavirus Local Fiscal Relief Fund. Oh, come on. you got to be kidding me. Corona Relief. Oh, but listen to these prices. We have offers on the table for all the guns. <clears throat> $100 for long guns, $150 for handguns, and $200 for assault rifles. Oh, my God, someone needs to go down there and set up a little food truck thing where you can buy these guns for $50 more or $100 more than this. This would be, they'd be get some great deals over there. Oh, here we go. Here's what they will be accepting. They will accept pellet guns, BB guns, ammunition, starter pistols, black powder guns, and replica toy guns. But they will not be offering cash for these. Aww. I mean, great to sell your toy guns and to get enough money to go buy a real gun. Every 12-year-old wants to trade in his Nerf gun for a BB gun. Oh, my God. They said they had overwhelming support from the community during the buyback program. In fact, the program was received so well that the funds were gone within two hours of the start time. 
and they were not able to buy back all the guns from citizens who wanted to participate. Wow. So you have to find something, I guess, some kind of handgun that's worth less than $200 and bring it in here. Now, there was a guy, I remember a story a while back, he brought in his homemade guns. He proved that they were capable of firing, and they paid him several hundred dollars for these guns that he basically assembled from stuff at Home Depot that cost him about 30 or 40 bucks. And he made enough money, apparently, selling three or four of these to go buy himself a new gun. And the last buyback was, was successful. They said they got a lot of guns out of it. It was great. But now the coronavirus local fiscal relief fund has paid out more than $19 billion to local governments in order to stop the coronavirus or help with coronavirus testing or help with coronavirus treatment. But yet now they're doing gun buybacks with this money. How can they have such an inappropriate use of guns and no, uh, funds and nobody seems to care? Or if they do care, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to stop these governments from, from breaking the law? And it's not even like the government has this money. They're borrowing it. This is money that you're borrowing from your kids, from your grandkids, to buy back guns with, corona, with coronavirus money, which is ridiculous, completely ridiculous, inappropriate, and nobody seems to care. Well, or if you do care, what are you going to do about it? It's time to vote out the politicians who think this is a good idea. And I know this, next, this year we're coming into an election season, and for those of you who are into politics, it's already started and it's getting wild, fast, and furious already. <laughs> fast and furious. But anyway, you're going to have to get out there, do some research, see where people stand on your positions. Because we do not need more anti-gun idiots gaining traction in any of these red or potentially purple states. And keep in mind, a lot of states are going purple because people are moving from the blue states because they want to get away from all the, the high taxes and the ridiculous restrictions and the huge governments. But then they come here and they vote the same way they did when they were in their blue state. So they try as hard as they can to turn this red state purple. And then they complain about the taxes. Then they complain about the restrictions. They complain about the difficulty in doing business because the government's so involved. Then stop voting for it, you idiots. Like the guy who wanted a new iPhone. This is a great story. He was complaining he couldn't afford the new iPhone because his rent went up. And then when talking to him about what he voted for, he voted for the law that caused his rent to go up. He voted to charge his landlord more taxes so his landlord would raise his rent to pay for the taxes so he couldn't afford the new iPhone. But he's too stupid. He didn't know that he voted for this. He voted to keep himself from getting a new iPhone. He thinks his his landlord is just going to suck up and pay all the bills himself and not charge him anything for it. Is that because people are indoctrinated in schools to think that the economy doesn't work on a supply and demand basis? The press secretary herself, what's her name? Saki, I think her name is. She said, oh, it's it would be difficult to believe that companies would raise their, raise their prices based on us raising taxes on them. She actually said that. Whether she believed it or not, I don't know, but she said that with a straight face, trying to get people to believe that if you raise taxes on corporations, they're not going to raise prices, which is completely and absolutely stupid. And if you believe that and you vote for that, then you deserve to pay whatever you pay for stuff because you voted for it. That's the thing. You know, and it's funny because they put all these, you know, Biden stickers on everything that say, I did that. He did. You voted for him. He did it. Now you're paying for it. So don't complain about Trump. What did he do? Oh, he hurt your feelings and he lowered your taxes. Oh, my God, how awful. 
Yes, he was a loudmouth New Yorker, and he spoke his mind, and he said things he shouldn't have said, but he lowered taxes. He achieved peace among countries that hadn't seen peace in decades, and yet you guys made – everybody was making fun of him because he was a, a loudmouth, and he said things he shouldn't have said. Sure he did. You know, there are times I heard him say things, and I just put my face to palm and went, oh, my God, will he please just shut up? But then he goes around and does something so great, and the media just ignores it, which is hilarious. But Joe Biden is essentially killing the economy, shutting down pipelines, causing supply chain shortages, causing food shortages, and and increases in prices. Inflation is running rampant. Oh, my God. And yet he's the guy you wanted. So the next time you go to the grocery store and complain, you go to the, the pumps and complain, remember... If you voted for him, then you suck it up and you pay it, and I don't want to hear any more complaining out of you unless you decide to change your vote during the next election cycle, and it's coming. All right, we've got about a few minutes left. I'm going to go over some quick training tips real quick. Last week we talked about going to the range and making things a little more exciting. Now, a lot of you, you know, with ammo prices and everything, we can't really do too much. A lot of us can't do too much training because ammo has gotten ridiculously expensive, but there are things you can do. Now, I have to stress this first. Before you do any training or any practice with a live weapon with a real gun, make sure it is unloaded. Check it two, three, four, five times. Make sure it is unloaded. And even when you're practicing, try not to point it at anything you wouldn't shoot, meaning the dog, your your children, your spouse, your big screen TV, whatever. Practice holster draws. That's something that actually takes people a lot of time to learn but can be learned in the safety of your own home. Practice that first before going to a range and trying it with a live weapon. Put the gun in the holster. Learn to index your finger, which means that finger goes straight down as long the barrel. The heel of your hand gets as deep into the back strap of the gun as you can, and it rides as high up in your hand as you possibly can. When you draw the weapon out, Wrap your three lower fingers around the grip, leaving your trigger finger outside the trigger guard. That's the first thing you want to do is you never want to put your finger in the trigger guard as you're drawing the weapon out of the holster. you got to consider this. If your finger's in the trigger guard while you're drawing out of the holster, if you were to fire that weapon, what would you be shooting? Not what you want to. Gun needs to be up on target before that finger goes into the trigger guard. When you pull the gun out of the holster, pull it smoothly, straight up, clear the holster by enough, turn the gun towards your targeted area, and start pushing it forward. As you push it forward, your other hand should come up, and the fingers should wrap around and match the other fingers already on the grip. Do this slowly. A bunch of times. I mean, if you do this a hundred times slowly until it becomes second nature, that'll be a good start to learning to holster draw. It's a difficult skill to master. I see people mess it up all the time. I see people pull a gun out of a holster and the magazine drops because they hit the mag release button by accident. You know, this is the kind of thing you want to do during practice and not during an actual situation. You want to drop the mag on the living room floor, not in the middle of a parking lot while someone's pointing a gun at you. You don't want to have that happen. So practice this a 100 times. Do it slow at first. Get the technique down. Then gradually increase your speed. Gradually increase the way you marry your hands up when you push out on them. Make sure that sight picture comes to line as soon as possible. You don't want to have to fumble to find your sights. A lot of that has to do with making sure your grip is proper. 
Now, when you put the gun in your hand, you can shift and play with it all you want till you get your grip right. When you're drawing from a holster, you want your grip to be correct from the moment that gun comes out of that holster. Your hand is wrapped around that gun. You want to have the grip proper as soon as it hits the gun. And then you pull it out. You want to be able to bring it up, have it level on target, marry the other hand, and then push it out to be on target. It's something that has to be practiced, and it can be done. And say, start slow. Work your way up, but make sure the gun is unloaded when you do this. In fact, you can run a chamber flag if it doesn't get in the way of being in the holster. That's the problem. When you're in the holster, the gun is usually in a ready position, in a ready state. So you have to be careful. Make sure you check it. If you leave the gun in the room for a few minutes, you come back. wouldn't hurt to check it again. Just to make sure no one came in, put anything in there, nothing happened, you forgot about something. Especially if this is a gun you carry with ammo all the time. You carry live or you take to the shooting range all the time. Make sure it's unloaded. Better to check twice than to shoot something once that you don't want to. But work on this. There are probably a, a, a million videos on how to do this properly and probably a million and a half videos on how to do it improperly. Try and find one from a reputable trainer who can show you the basics, even in slow motion. Learn to draw that weapon out. Learn to do it quickly, efficiently, and properly. First do it properly, then build your speed. Always get the technique down first, then you add speed to it. Technique is more important than speed. In fact, they say, smooth, what's it? Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. So once you gain your technique and it becomes smooth and second nature, the speed will come automatically. So go ahead, practice. Don't shoot anything in the house. Make sure the gun is unloaded. And practice as much as you possibly can. Now make sure when you do this, there's no one around who's going to get in your way or distract you. Or if you want to have a distraction, that's fine too. Have them load snap caps in there for you. You know, so you can practice a, uh, a magazine change. That's something you can do at home also. Now, it's hard to get the lock back on that. You have to pull it back yourself, lock it back, drop the mag, and change it when you're not running live fire. But that's something you can do. Practice pulling from the holster and then practice putting it back in. That's something that people don't practice. They'll draw, they'll pull the trigger, they'll snap, and then boom. Then they start just putting the gun away. It's like when you put the gun away, you got to realize, what if you're in a situation where you have to put the gun back before you have it again? So there we go. Pull it out, get on target, snap, and then put it back in. Now, when you put it back in, that trigger finger needs to be outside that trigger guard again. I've seen somebody shoot themselves. All right, I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you've been listening to America's Web Radio. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.